0: You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm solo. I'm sorry I couldn't get anyone else to join me this week. There's a lot going on with the rest of the team. I'm going to share my top five things that I think should be on every photographer's pre-shoot checklist. And as I was preparing for this, I was trying to think of my top five things. I want you to realize this is not me saying I'm perfect at all of these things, this is something I'm doing because I need to improve. <laughs> this is something I fail at all the time, even though I have some strategies on most of these things to be able to like make sure I do a good job with this checklist. It's a real struggle uh, often because I'm most of the time. I don't know if this is something full time photographers have a challenge with or not, but as a hobbyist, I'm fitting in client shoots wherever I can, and it seems like I'm always rushing like a tornado to get out the door on the way to a shoot. And, you know, I was for a long time severely worried, like anxiety levels like really high because I was worried I was going to leave something behind that I really needed in the shoot. And early on, it was because... I wasn't very used to the things that I'd need or, or what I would want as I'm reacting to a shoot. I was learning enough on the fly and with the clients and, you know, it was kind of a struggle to figure it out. Now that I'm more seasoned and I have more experience and, and I've figured out kind of how I like to approach various problems in shoots or ways that I'm going to shoot, uh, this has become a little easier for me. So if, if you're kind of at the beginning stages and think, oh, this is totally – I just – can't figure out how to get out the door for a shoot and I'm so worried it can improve for sure and maybe this checklist will help you got five things to think about here before you head out the door make sure you have them covered now some of them take a little bit more than thinking about it you know 10 minutes 15 minutes before you leave and that's the case with number one so photographers pre-shoot checklist number one batteries camera batteries to be specific, but we're going to talk about some other batteries that are also on the checklist later. Have you ever had a shoot end early because your battery died? If you haven't, oh, avoid it. Use, (laughs) Use this list to make sure you don't hit that. It's not fun when it's a personal shoot, but when it's a paid shoot, oh, you look so unprofessional having to beg the client to like reschedule the shoot for another time, Uh, usually have to reduce the cost of the shoot, maybe do it for free. It's just bad all the way around. And I can't say that I've run out of battery on a client shoot, so that's a good thing. But I have had an experience, I'll tell you in a second, where it was a problem. So paid or not, having fully charged batteries, more than one in the camera, is a must, I think, for every shoot batteries take hours to charge obviously if you haven't seen that it just it takes a while so like i said you have to prep for this like at least the day before the shoot and having enough batteries so that you can do a shoot every day and have fresh ones is probably really important. If you have more shoots than one a day or enough length in a day that you're going to need more, then you're going to need more batteries. So you got to make sure you have enough batteries so that you can, you know, charge them and rotate them and and have that all work out. So for me, I have two camera bodies that I need to make sure I have batteries for. And I don't do enough shoots where I, I need more sets than this. So I have six batteries total to share between my two cameras, and I have three chargers. So that way I can always have three batteries charging at a time, and I can always have three with me. So I put one fresh battery in each camera, and then I have an extra battery that I put in my pocket while I shoot. That's actually kind of an important detail, I think, because batteries in your pocket, you know where they are. And while you're shooting, and like if your camera runs out of juice or it's going to really quickly, you're starting to get the like low battery indicator, taking it out of your pocket and popping in your camera it usually is pretty quick. If you have to go dig through your bag to try to find the extra battery, that's wasting time. You may you may not even find it. It may have fallen out, like as you're using your bag. Stuff can like go missing. I don't know how many times I've had stuff where I was sure it was in the bag and it's gone. So I I think putting it in your pocket is a good way to go. Another reason to do it, it would be shooting in the cold. If you're shooting in the cold, cold is like a terrible enemy to batteries. It really lowers the amount of life they have, how much charge they'll, they'll have over time. And so if you have it in your, in your pocket, your body heat can keep that battery kind of relatively warm and swapping it out w- will work. In fact, if you put the battery that you just took out of the camera into your pocket, you may revive it a bit and warming it up with your body heat. But so I think putting it in your pocket is a good way to go for the extra battery. Now that's, it, it, well, this works out because both of my cameras share the same battery type. If you have two camera bodies that have different battery types, that's not gonna work as well. You're, you're gonna have to have a different situation to figure it out. And if you don't shoot often enough to where you really need to make sure you're always charging batteries, uh, opposite of using the batteries, then you could do fewer. You just have to be more organized, <laughs> more disciplined in being able to do this. This way, it enables me to be like, oh, I have to leave in 15 minutes. I'm going to quickly just, no matter what the battery meter says on the camera, especially because I found that to be totally inaccurate within the first few, uh, you know, 30 seconds of turning on the camera, you're looking at the battery like, oh, it looks full. Okay, I'm good. And then you get out on the shoot and you're like, oh, that's actually only a quarter. It didn't say it said full at first, but now that the camera's been on for a little bit, it's actually only a quarter. I've I've just seen the battery meters, you know, change a little as they're having that you've been shooting for a little bit. And it's not because you've been using the camera, it's just it didn't have an accurate reading when it first powered on. So I don't trust that battery meter and I don't care. I want to, regardless of how much battery I think might be in there in the camera, I'm swapping it out for a battery I know is fully freshly charged and uh, so I swap them out before every shoot put them in the cameras like I described and then I'm, I, I get out the door I have had a problem on a shoot it had to do with a camera rental so I rented a camera but wasn't familiar with it I wanted to test it I, I would do it for the show and and what I want to be able to review the camera and I was shooting a high school basketball game and I rented the camera I knew it would come with a battery I didn't even think about renting a second battery to uh, to do it, and then, as we were shooting, you know watching the battery life while I was shooting was part of a natural thing about reviewing the camera and trying to test it. I could compare it against the cameras i 'm used to. How did the battery go in in this other camera? And I was dismayed at this high school basketball game to see, like, getting close to halftime, I'm almost out of battery already. And so I start conserving. I'm, like, not taking the candid shots anymore. I'm not taking the shots of, like, you know, cheerleaders on the side or whatever it is, the referees. I'm not taking any extra shots. I, and I turn it off if I can, trying to conserve battery life. During halftime, I wasn't going to review the photos like I normally do and and potentially go share some of the photos using Wi-Fi and the camera to to get the photo out to social media and, and share, I I was conserving battery as much as I could. And I just didn't make it. I, I didn't make it to the end of the game. The battery died and there was nothing I could do. I'm dead. It's over. I can't shoot anymore because the battery gave out and I don't have an extra and I can't make them, you know, stop the game while I go get a battery to to do it. So I will, I will in every camera rental I do in the future, I'm going to say that I want an extra battery with, as part of the rental, because it's not that much more money to do that. And man, does it really help so that I make sure I do all I can. Now you still may end up running out of battery, even with two, depending on your shoots and depending on the camera, but it's a protection. I'm going to make sure I fall in the future. All right. So photographers, pre-shoot checklist. Number one, batteries. Okay. Photographers, pre-shoot checklist. Number two, memory cards. You know it. You knew that was coming. Yeah, very similar to batteries. Your shoot is dead if you don't have a memory card that you can shoot to. Um, I try, I have a, a strategy for managing this. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I'm not doing well. This is one of those where definitely it's a do as I say, not as I do sort of thing because I am not managing this very well. All right. So here's my strategy. I rotate my memory cards, sort of like I am tr- I do with my batteries, but it's working really well there for the camera batteries, and it's not working very well for my memory cards. But here's my plan. Uh, I organize this using a Pelican case, and I'll put a link in the show notes to which one it is. About 18 bucks. It's it's uh, not the least expensive one, but it also, you know, has an advantage of like protecting the cards a little. It, it does a pretty good job on like shock resistance and dust resistance and a little bit of water resistance. And it, it's it's a decent card holder. has a lot of slots too, and and it makes it really well. So my plan, and this isn't something I came up with all by myself. It's something that I heard advice over the years along the way. My plan is cards go in this. And if they are face up, the, the labels are up, then that's a card I'm ready to use. I can put it in the camera, I can format it in camera, and then I can fire away and shoot. If it's a card that has images that I need to validate are pulled off, uploaded to the computer and backed up, then they go face down. They go with the those gold connectors up. And that says, this is not a card you can use because you're not done getting the images off the card. And uh so that would be great, especially if you like fill up a card in the middle of a shoot, or maybe you're on the road and you um shoot one day and you don't wanna have everything on one card all the time. So you you're gonna like, you know, change memory cards day to day, or whatever the strategy for whatever reason, you're putting a shoot into that pelican case. And want to make sure you don't use the card, flipping it over so its back is out is a great way to be able to do it. So that's my plan. My plan is to use those and then, you know, rotate through them methodically too and make sure I put like the same wear on all of them. And that's, it, it sounds great, right? It sounds really good. In practice, what I, have, <laughs> what I have is six memory cards sitting on my office desk right now by my card reader that are all face up, label up, and they I have no idea which one is useful, <laughs> which one I, I'm able to shoot with right now. Which one have I pulled off all the images? I think I've pulled the images off of all of them. I think so, but I don't really know. So what ends up happening is this ends up being one of the stressful things that I have to do when I'm facing leaving. and And it gets even worse if I'm already late. Like if I've got a late start... Maybe, uh, you know, I was working on something and then the, my wife will call down to me and say, Hey, it's time to go to the shoot. And I start my tornado run to get all of this done. This is the one that probably takes the most time if it's not done. And so here's what I end up doing today. I look at these six cards that are on my desk and sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. And I think, well, I want to make sure I can use one of those. So I'll pop one into the camera And I'll start. I'll preview the images, and in my head, I can go. Okay, I'm sure I've already pulled these images off. I've already edited this session. I've already delivered to the client. We're good. I can format this card, and then I'll format it and move on to the next card because I want to have at least two with me in case one fails. Um, And then if I don't know for sure, this happens regularly. I'm like, oh, I think I pulled all these off. I. Think I've edited these mostly. It has to do with personal projects where that's the case, because I I don't I won't have a client to remember that I sent things to. So I think so, but I'm not sure. So then I have to go onto the computer and validate that I have them pulled off before I format them. Better that than losing the photos for sure. Better better to to take the time right then to make sure. But. The pressure is mounting. The time is ticking, and all of this can take a lot of time. It feels like it takes forever when I'm trying to get out the door. It's a struggle. I just don't want to have to deal with it's ah, it's not good. So I I need to improve here really badly. Couple more thoughts. If I have, if you have two memory cards slots in your camera, if your support your camera supports two memory cards, use them. Use both slots. It doesn't mean that you have to rotate the second card all the time. Uh, One of my cameras does have two slots. There's one SD card slot and one CF card slot. And I have, the CF cards are, are a lot more expensive than SD cards. So I have one pretty large CF card that I just format every single time I go out and shoot. It's only there as a backup to the photos. So there's not, it's not a primary source ever. And I don't ever even take the card out of the camera. It's not even one that I'm rotating very much. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but so the SD cards are my primary, I, but I have it set up to shoot to both. And then, um, I just take the SD card out and and unload it. And then next shoot, as I'm doing it, I have to make sure I have an SD card that's empty, but I just format the CF card and it's no big deal. Um, but it's nice to have that peace of mind. I really, I I need to get my other camera so that it has two slots too. It would really give me more peace of mind that I'm getting more and more paid shoots and and, the the anxiety it gives me that I might have a card fail and lose all of the images from the shoot is just bad. <laughs> I, I don't want that. I, you know, you, you're free to, to deal with this however you want, but it's just not something I like. I really want to have two card slots, and uh, I, I'm hoping I can remedy that towards the end of this year with the Canon R5. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. The last thing to mention here is a little tiny strategy that I do practice pretty well here with rotating the cards as far as like replacing them. Memory cards don't last forever, they have a certain number of writes they're good for. When you write to them enough, eventually, they just stop working. They fail, just like magnetic cards and it's our magnetic drives, not because of physical failure and like spinning heads or or whatever that happens in those kinds of drives. It's the the memory that <laughs> that it writes to. Anyway, it doesn't matter the technical reason. They will fail, and the way I, I the couple of things that I'm doing to preserve them longer. One is I format it in camera. I don't delete the images. Off of the memory card, I've heard that's a problem. I haven't really tested it myself to validate for sure that that's a really big deal. Um, it'd be interesting to do an experiment on that, but it does make sense that because if you do, um, if you don't do low-level formatting, if you just do a high-level format, it's just clearing a little tiny fat table space on the card or a little tiny you know directory on the card about where files are at, and the rest of the the card gets unwritten, it remains unwritten. So there's fewer writes than if you're doing the deletes of the photos, like from your computer. And I, I wouldn't even format the computer. It's just the camera formats it the way that it wants it. It's nice to be able to have that. So you just stick it in the camera and format it. High level formats good. Low level if you're really if you're kind of worried about the card, low-level formatting will make sure we'll will kind of validate that the card seems good or not. Uh, okay so so there's that. And then I also write on a sharp with a sharpie on the back of my cards uh, the year, the month and the year that I got the card so that three years from that month and year, I'm going to replace it. They're inexpensive enough. I'm just going to replace that card. So not having to do with the checklist here, I just thought I'd mention some some SD card or memory card hygiene that can help you to avoid that dreaded, corrupt memory card and losing your shoot, although two S2 card slots would be even better. All right. That's number two, photographer's pre-shoot checklist number two, memory cards. Let's move on to photographer's pre-shoot checklist number three, that's lighting. Okay, so I said this is a generic, like, should be top five, in the top five of every photographer's checklist, right? But lighting sounds like a portrait-specific thing, not something for, like, landscape photographers, for example, And that may be true, but I have an idea for landscape photographers that I'll mention just before moving on to number four. But let's start back (laughs) with the obvious portrait shooting scenario or others like macro, you need lights. And there's a lot of genres where lighting is a big deal. And I have in my, as I work through shoots now, I kind of have different lighting setups based on what we're going to shoot. If we're going to shoot a large group, I'm bringing everything because I'm going to need lighting for a large group and inevitably I get asked if we can do smaller groups or even individuals you know clients hires for the big group but then they end up saying we, we'll pay more if you can do like smaller groups and and individuals and it always happens so I bring everything cuz I'm going to need all kinds of lighting if I'm doing a large group and that's like you know more than five people, 10 people, somewhere in there, more than that, like up to you know, 30, 50, I, I bring that lighting. Then there's small groups. I have another lighting setup and then there's individuals. I have another setup. So I have, I depending on what I'm going to be shooting, there's different lighting setups. It's really easy for me to think through it. It's not like I need a massive checklist of like, oh, make sure I have this light stand and make sure I have that modifier and then make sure I have that flash. It's it's a, there's not so much gear <laughs> that I have have to resort to that. Maybe some of you have that much that you have to, but it's relatively easy for me to to be able to figure out based on the shoot what lighting I need. The bigger challenge is the batteries. (laughs) The batteries comes up again here. That is a much bigger challenge. It's horrible. When I have a shoot I'm going to go to and I realize the batteries for some of my lights where I only have one battery for them, are still in the flashes from when I last shot and I have no idea how much charge is in them. I got to leave out the door. It's bad. I'm getting better at this. I've done a pretty good job over the last few shoots to make sure that as soon as I get home, that's one of the things I do is I pull, not only do I get the card out of my camera and download the photos, but while those photos are transferring to the computer, because that takes a while usually, I am also grabbing the batteries out of the flashes where I only, when I have only one and putting it into the charger. Uh, it would be better to have another flash, but there's these these flashes have fairly expensive batteries, and it's just not in the budget for me to do that. So, where I can, I am using the same strategy as my camera batteries, having enough that I can have you know three sets and rotate them. It would be better even to have four because with the lighting setup, unlike my camera, where I can usually get through a shoot without having to swap out the battery, as long as I had a fresh battery in there, I rarely have a shoot where I go through more than one battery during the shoot for my camera. But for lighting, I certainly can. Depends on what we're shooting, depends on how long we're shooting, but it it could happen. And not because they completely die and won't, won't recharge. It's that the recycle time is getting so long. I don't wanna make my client wait, I don't wanna wait, I don't wanna lose poses, I don't wanna lose potential shot opportunities because the flashes are too slow in recycle time. So well before they're exhausted, I'll swap out the batteries just to decrease that recycle time and make it so they can go faster. So it would be better to have four sets of batteries for this situation. Two sets that can always be charging and two sets that I can take with me for the lighting And, but like I said, the, the expense of the batteries is big enough. That's not always going to work out. Okay. But lighting. And then of course there's remembering the light stands and the modifiers and the flashes and bringing those things, um, is, is an important thing to make sure you check to in this checklist number three lighting thing. Now for landscape photographers. All right. I promised I had something here and you probably thought of it already too. It's like, well, he's going to say flashlight or headlamp. And that's exactly right. I've done, you know, I do landscapes rarely enough. It can really be a problem for me. I have done too many shoots now where, I just didn't even think to bring a flashlight. Like I it just didn't come to mind. Yet that's often what I need. I'm shooting either sunrise or sunset, and it's gonna be dark on either end. Uh hopefully. Hopefully I'm there in enough time to where that's that's a challenge. And getting things set up or changing settings is tough. I end up using my the light on my phone way too much, which is, you know, okay. It works. It's thank goodness I have the phone, but uh, it wrecks your light, your night vision, whenever you use that bright light on your phone, and it's just better. I have three headlamps with that do red light <laughs> across the birthdays and Christmases or whatever. It's been something like, hey, you know, put this on the list for me. I'd love to. I need to have a, a good headlamp, and so I can't find them sometimes because I don't use them all that often, or I may remember to take it, and then I get there and I'm like, ah, oh, the batteries are dead in it. It's Batteries again. So anyway, flashlight or headlamp for you landscape photographers. That's what lighting is in photographers pre-shoot checklist number three item lighting. All right, let's move on to photography's pre-shoot checklist number four of five camera settings. And you know, it might it might not make sense to some of you listening. Like, hey, I I shoot manual. I know what my camera settings are. There's only aperture, shutter speed, and ISO that I worry about, and I change those very well. I'm adapting with that constantly. I'm really accustomed to changing those settings. That's why I shoot that way. And you you may not think it's a big deal. Or if you did something out of the ordinary and you went to like aperture priority mode for something, it's not very hard to figure out when you're doing your settings at the next shoot. You're like, oh. I actually can't change the, <laughs> the aperture uh, or I can't change the shutter speed. Uh, that's because it's in aperture priority mode. And so you switch over to manual. It's It's a very simple, immediately obvious kind of setting to change. One that's not so obvious and has recently bitten me is JPEG RAW. So I am a RAW shooter. And if you're a JPEG shooter, Great. If that's helping you produce your images, that's not what this, this whole thing is about. But it's an example of a camera setting that was a problem for me. Now, these days, I actually tend to shoot JPEG plus RAW. Um, won't go into a lot of detail here, but I'm using Wi-Fi from the camera to sync images over to an iPad so my clients can see the photos we're creating while we're shooting. Way easier to have them. Change things or say you know get things how they want them while we're there on the shoot. Then for me to do like Photoshop backflips afterwards, but um, so I'm, I'm shooting JPEG plus RAW because that helps make that transfer from my camera to the iPad go faster. It's it's very cool. I'm loving this, and I would love it to be faster on the R5 or my next camera. I really want to make sure the Wi-Fi is faster because this use case is so compelling to me. It's really helping my business. But I it it turns out that I occasionally, a couple times a year, have use cases where I need to shoot JPEG only. Not going to go into the details. That doesn't matter, but I have some times where I deliberately make a decision, I need to shoot JPEG only. And this is one of those settings, even though it's like there and prominently displayed in the quick menus on Canon cameras that I use. I don't regularly check if I'm shooting JPEG plus raw or or raw and if it's JPEG only. So, well, it turned out I had a shoot a little bit ago where we needed to use both cameras at the same time. We just had a shooting situation where my wife needed to shoot and she she was shooting one of them and I was shooting the other. And the one that I was using was one that we hadn't used a lot lately. It was the last time we used it was one of these rare use cases where I went JPEG only. I totally did not even think about switching it back. I didn't even, it, it was not a question about, you know, I didn't look at it. I was horrified when I got back to the computer and all I had was JPEGs. There were no raw files. i was like, oh no, what did I do? How'd, and then I remembered, oh, I shot the last time I shot with that camera was this other thing. And I went JPEG only and I'm an idiot. (laughs) And I mean, it worked out okay, but it was a low light shooting situation. So the raw files would have been really helpful. So I could better deal with like noise in the files and uh, better details I could extract from it. And I like how I process the images better than how the camera does it, but it, it worked. It just would have been better. And it's an example. It's one of the things that I need to make sure I do a better job of because I'm, I rely too much on I don't go outside of my normal three settings aperture shutter ISO and that I, I might venture outside of that for something specific and I, I need to make sure I remember that. And another setting that it could be an example would be like the flicker detection. If you're indoors and you want to make sure that you your camera has consistent lighting and you don't get that off shot where the light, the ambient light is you know, flickered off, then flicker detection being on is good. When I'm outside, I I like to turn it off so that I don't have any shutter lag, any, you know, time between, it's pretty close anyway, but it's, it's something that, that I can turn on and off. And it's an example, not something that's, that's usual, but it's an example. I don't actually, I usually flicker on most of the time. Okay. That is photographer's pre-shoot checklist. Number four, Camera settings, very good thing to validate, just like run through in your head as you're heading out the door. When's the last time I used the camera? Was there anything out of the ordinary? That's really kind of what it amounts to. Did I do anything out of the ordinary last time I used the camera? And most of the time it's going to be, nope. It was a normal shoot and you don't have anything to worry about. But I could have thought like on my camera I hadn't used for a while, I'd be like, I don't even remember the last time I used this camera because that's kind of happening with my backup body. I don't remember the last time I actually used it. And I better check. <laughs> I better go make sure some of the key settings like, you know, raw is, uh, is set correctly. So that's another one. Do as I say, not as I do. I, I need to improve. and need to get better. All right, last one. Photographer's pre-shoot checklist number five is attitude. Might be, seem a little funny to have this be on the checklist because it's not, you know, a thing. It's a, It's your attitude. All of the things that I've outlined here can put me in a bit of a a frenzy. <laughs> I mean, just kind of going through the list, walking through these five things, it's kind of got me going, just like reliving all of those mad dashes out the door that I've been doing over the last little bit, and, and the shoots, and the stress that I feel, it can wear down my patience a lot. Um, it can make me be rude to my family, which I always regret. I, I, I'm not a good enough person where that's not a problem. I wish it was, uh, was something I was better at, but I, it's, it's too bad. We treat the people we love the most, kind of the worst. Um, because they, we know they'll forgive us. We'll know they'll, they'll be okay with it. And it's just, it's still not right, but it happens. Um, my, that attitude can lead me to do something I don't want to do with my family And it's really could be easy to have that bleed over, especially if you're really late. At at least for me, that's a massive struggle. If I'm really late getting out the door, I've already, I've been waiting for the stupid memory cards for me to figure out which one I could take with me. I got to do better than that. But it's just, it's not cool to treat a paid client poorly because you were frazzled getting out the door. They had nothing to do with that. They didn't cause you to be frazzled. In fact, They probably schedule this ahead of time and have been looking forward to at least mom, maybe not dad, but at least mom's been looking forward to the shoot and uh, or maybe friends that you're meeting, whoever you're you're meeting up with to do these shoots. You don't want to let that attitude if you did get frazzled to bleed over into the interactions that you're going to have with those people at the shoot. Uh, My wife helps me here a ton. She's really good at helping me like go through the checklist and and, you know, calm me down. You're like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. It's okay. And, and you know, we talk about what we're going to shoot. And she's a, a she does a really good job at that most of the time. Sometimes if we're super late, she's just as frazzled as I am. Like say, you know, it's not just me who has to look at the time. You You can look at the time too. <laughs> Yeah, classic stuff, right? You you know, you, you all know what I'm talking about. But I, we the important thing here on this checklist and it made it in the top 5 for me is just checking our attitude as we're going. Don't let it make you be bad to your family or loved ones. Don't let it be bad to the clients for sure. Change your attitude. It it helps that I have usually a, you know, 10 10 minute plus Car ride to be able to kind of overcome that frenzied, I was just a tornado getting out the door (laughs) sort of state. But you know, even if you don't, and even if you don't have a partner, someone there to help you to calm down, just try to relax and make sure by the time you get to the shoot, if it's for a client, that you're going to be the happy, joyous, I'm excited to be here and do this shoot kind of photographer that that client deserves, right? That's what that's what this point is. That's number five attitude. And I it might be the most important one on the list. Now, now batteries, <laughs> batteries and memory cards are more important than this because yeah, you kind of kind of apologize your way out of attitude problems. It's important, though. It's really important enough that it made my top five. So there are my top five. I'm going to run through them really briefly just to to do it again, although it's all in the show notes over at masterphotographypodcast.com. So number one on the photographer's pre-shoot checklist, batteries. Number two, memory cards. Number three, lighting. Number four, camera settings. And number five, attitude. Okay, there's my checklist. Those are the top five things I thought of as I was doing it. I'd like to know what your top five is. Uh, what did I miss? What, what is something that maybe should have been in the top five that I didn't put there? Is there something that's so critical? I'd love to know. Love to have you comment on the show notes or in the Facebook group. And let me know what would be something in your top five that was not in mine so that we can share that. It would, it would be interesting to see what is it that I didn't think of that you do. And or causes you stress, (laughs) causes you to really have a problem as you're leaving out the door. Or maybe, you know, if you're one of these photographers, I think are rare who doesn't experience this kind of stress and anxiety as you're leaving for a photo shoot, trying to make sure you have all of your gear. I'd love to know that too. Tell me about it. (laughs) Tell me that you don't have that anxiety and stress. Okay. I'm going to close up the show now. We're going to have my doodads of the week. And this time it is multiple from me. Uh, I recently upgraded my SSD drive in my Windows 10 desktop. And uh, the drive space was okay. I had 512 gigabytes SSD drive in there. But it was I was having some challenges and I narrowed things down to the fact that Windows was struggling to get enough... Uh, storage space for swap files as I'm doing really big things in Photoshop, big composites, big uh, HDR panoramas, that kind of stuff. And I would have failures; I'd have problems with Photoshop crashing or telling me I'm out of memory. And and even though I have 32 gig of RAM, anyway, it was a, it was a problem, and I wanted to do something about it. So. I looked into things, and I was going to go with my go-to. I really love Samsung SSD drives. They're beautiful, beautiful drives. Really fast, very high quality, last a long time. They're great, great drives. I went with this time. I wanted a 2 terabyte drive, and I wasn't convinced that I needed top of the line here. There's been some testing I've been doing to tell me that I don't really think a few extra megabytes per second in read write is going to make a massive amount of difference as I'm using my computer to do editing of photos. So I went with the Crucial MX500 2 terabyte SATA 2.5 inch SSD. Not an M.2 connected drive, those would be more money. Um and they'd be faster. But it's still very respectable. It's 75% faster than spinning magnetic drives, 7200 RPM drives at 560 megabytes per second read and 520 megabytes per second write, which is really fast. Like 75% faster is is really good. Not as fast as M.2 connected stuff for sure. It is not the fastest SSD available, but it's reasonably priced, which is a big deal two terabytes of storage. It was four times the size of the drive I replaced. I paid $250 for it. And that's about 20 to 60% less expensive than similar SSD drives from other brands, Samsung in particular. So not knocking Samsung, they're great, great drives. I really love the Samsung drives, but this crucial drive had really good read write performance. Like the Samsung stuff isn't much faster, if faster at all. And uh, it comes from Crucial, which is a, a, a vendor I trust a lot, manufacturer I trust a lot. So that's my uh, doodad of the week is the two terabyte Crucial MX500 SSD drive. The other one is the Macrium Reflect software I used. It's download, It's a, They have a free version available that helps you to do the cloning of the SSD drive so you don't have to reinstall Windows or any of your software. It worked flawlessly. Not completely user-friendly, I'll have to say. If you've never done something like that, you don't know anything about like partitions on a hard drive, you're going to find it a little difficult, though they have a pretty good tutorial video on how it is you can do this. But the the biggest point is it did it flawlessly. It didn't take very long, connected both drives to my internal SATA on the motherboard and uh, and transferred it all over, and it worked out really really well i 'm way excited i haven 't had any errors in Photoshop since I did it. I think the expanded storage space gave me some more room i 'm still going to keep my lightroom catalog on a separate SSD drive because I have one but uh, and and I want to you know maximize my throughput on the disk i o where Windows, Photoshop, and Lightroom are coming from one drive. Not OneDrive, the service, but a you know this new SSD drive, and then my Lightroom catalog is coming from another one. And if that's all Greek to you, you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. It's just my dude out of the week this week. I will have stuff in the future that is less geeky, less technical. <laughs> but there, there you go. It's just a top of mind since I just recently did that. All right, I'm gonna close out the show now. MasterPhotographyPodcast.com is where you can find everything about the show. The show notes are over there. There's a big old button right at the main page that says show notes so you can't miss that Facebook group is master photography podcast you do have to ask to join it and there'll be a link in the show notes or you can just search master photography podcast and answer the question name a host on the show that's Jeff J-E-F-F all you have to do is put that in there and you're in Uh, I've seen so many asking to join the group and they're not answering the question so you don't get in Instagram account is at Master Photography Podcast. Love to have you follow us and tag us on the photos that you are creating. You can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or my other podcast, Photo Taco Podcast. If what I just talked about with the SSD drive got you going and you liked that talk, you're going to love Photo Taco. You need to go over and check out that episode. I do monthly shows where I break down, I tackle like a super technical topic and I try my best to... Uh, to make it something everybody can understand. Like my wife is always saying, how is a normal person supposed to understand this? That's what I try to do. I try to think about, you know, non-geeks, non-nerds like me. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts are all on the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hoped you liked the top five list. I'd love to hear your top five. And uh, we'll see you again in another seven days.